The Pinball Network is online. Launching. Pinball Party. Well, here we go. Episode 11 of the Pinball Party Podcast. You know, I can't wait to add another one to this, if that ever happens, so I can just so I can say 111. And then from then on, I'll say 112, 113, 114, Kale style, who looks to count in sequence, 115, we'll go 116, and so on. It's once you get to 120-something, you can't really have fun with it. Who cares, right? This is episode 11. That's, that's way in the future, if it ever happens. If I survive, the way this world is going, I won't. Right? <laughs> Man, that's that's cynical. Good good way to start this episode out on. Well, hey, thanks for joining me. Thanks for coming back. Thanks for everyone that's wrote in. The call Too many emails last week. Good problem to have. Uh, thanks for everyone writing. We'll get to a couple of them. But what are we going to talk about this week? Do we have any news? Pinball news. Uh, no? No? Uh, hey, still waiting on Bond. The topper. Everyone's talking about the $2,000 topper again, including myself. Uh, Pat Lawler retired from JJP, I guess that's, or retired from pinball in general. There's a little bit of news. Uh, yeah, there's, there's just not much yet. We're still waiting on releases. We're waiting on people. Well, more so locations to get bond in stock. So to fill that void of what's going on in pinball, uh, people like myself and, uh, the guest we have on coming up soon will help fill that void. So if we're not going to talk about news, what will we talk about? We will talk about, well, <laughs> Two things that kind of correlate with each other. A lot of feedback was, you know, you should expand on the figure it out figure it segment. Out. You know, there's there's a lot of people out there who are either new to the hobby or just really like the whole secondary market thing. So we'll do kind of an expanded figure it out. Other than that, let's just stop with the table of contents just in case I don't get to it. But let's start with things I can talk about. First, listener voicemail. You know, I don't read these just to you know, uh, psych myself up or like, look at how good I am at doing what, no, I usually if it somehow involves what we're going to talk about or what we have talked about feedback on things, it's not just listen to the nice things people have to say about me. Because if I did that, I'd read some other ones (laughs) that didn't have quite so many nice things to say about me. Let's check in with listener emails. This first one comes from uh, Tanner Walters, who says, in the last episode, you said there wasn't any news. I thought I'd give you something that people might get a kick out of. These are my students reacting to an acrylic pinball machine I built for them. Enjoy. And he sends a YouTube link. It is awesome. It's honestly heartwarming to see these kids react to this this video of very, very impressively built, honestly, literal acrylic pinball machine. The insides have like the guts of a machine, but... I'll put the link in the show notes. You should really check it out. I really can't describe it aside from that. And it's it's a short, quick video. I would also recommend you follow him. He does other pinball stuff. His Instagram is The Pinball Scientist. So you can reach Tanner at, at The Pinball Scientist. He also makes a pinball scorekeeper mod and EM attract mod for EMs at thepinballscientist.com. Please check out Tanner's work. It's awesome. Thanks for writing in. I really appreciate it. This next one comes from uh, Jeff S. Hey, Jason, heard you were talking about Alien today and we're considering getting one. Go directly to jail, buy the Alien, and fall in love with pinball again. 
Alien is as much of a cult pin as TBL. It is super fun, coded well, has seamless LCD integration, the best audio of all time, a unique major toy, and great use of lighting. He has the first uh, version of Alien and has even more cabinet and playfield lighting, including the screen on the, the playfield as, as you, or if you don't, no. Uh, Alien is one of the best pins made, and it tends to build a strong parasitic bond with its owner. Hello. Nice. Once you join the Alien Pinball community, you will probably seek out the first version to celebrate the differences. Yeah, and, and you know, the last episode when I was talking about how Alien was number one on Pinside, which it is not <laughs> anymore. Surprise, surprise. I was saying that the, the people I personally know that have owned it like it so much that they want to either get the limited edition or, like he, he mentioned, um, the previous version has, which is, you know, similar to like the American Pinball, where they kind of, you know, change the um, what you would expect of a pinball machine, you know, the size and kind of the curves and, and that stuff. Um, and one last note he made, he was one that uh, emailed in a while ago and said I should change the name, which I've been saying, I'll, I'll eventually change the name to Penis, Penis Party Podcast. Uh, he said, all right, I have a new program name to run by you, so don't have to call it the Penis Show. <laughs> he said, figure it out. Figure it out. That's what the show is about. Jason's always busy figuring it out. Uh, you hope your listeners can figure it out. All right, I'll shut up about the name now that I was able to get the good idea out of my head. You know, that that's not actually a bad idea, and, and you brought too much logic to that idea. So it's not going to work. It makes too much sense. I have people, um, I, I've actually gotten a text from someone um, who picked up a pinball machine from me last week who, <laughs> he wouldn't mind me reading this. Uh, let me pull it up. It was on his in, on his way. He was about five hours away as he was making the drive. Uh, he sent me a text, just leaving quick trip. Don't want to be on the next quote, figure it out quote. <laughs> Should be there in a few. So we can, I think, read between the lines and know why he stopped there. But uh I guess I'm happy and sad to know that my f the figure it out figure thing it is out. affecting the way people buy games from me um, or trade. Actually, maybe it's a good thing. You know, I'm not I'm not here not here just like trying to talk shit about everyone in the secondary market. It's just kind of common courtesy. Anything in the muse market, insert um, you know a video game video game system in here. I don't know or anything. Uh, a wooden horse that you want to buy on Craigslist. Yeah, just hey, here's the golden rule. Treat others how you want to be treated. Holy eh, shit! Don't be a fuck. <laughs> don't be a prick. Be nice to people. Be honest. What a good segue we've accidentally made into this week's expanded version of Figure It Out. Figure it out. So I normally, I would pick a very specific thing of when buying or selling or communicating about a pinball machine, either on Pinside or Craigslist or Facebook. You know, here's some, some main do's and don'ts. But some of the questions I got since, you know, the last few episodes and even actually via Pinside, someone who, you know, maybe I should be charging for this, but I, I actually, you know, took it as uh, an expression of, I guess, respect for my opinion since I've done it so much and whatever. So someone emailed on Pinside saying, hey, I'm, I'm looking to buy this Lord of the Rings. The uh, seller says it's home use only. I was wondering if if I could send you a few pictures and some information, get your second opinion on it. Just it seems like you do this a lot. I'd, I'd really appreciate it. I was like, oh, I mean, that. Is that I, that's nice of you, but I, I guess sure. <laughs> can I can I do some work for you? I guess. And, and, hey, I was happy to look at some pictures, gave him some opinions on things of hey, does play count really matter? All these kind of things that that people really stress out about. So, disclaimer: there are many, many of those out there that have done this way more and way longer than me. Hundreds of games, uh, th flipping everything from EMs to now. I've only been doing this for a few years. Uh, I guess the only thing that uh, makes me not special—that's not the right word. Maybe somewhat different—is I don't I don't keep games long, so maybe I go through these faster than others. Um, I don't get 
you know, I don't get beaters to fix them up. I don't get Ellie's to flip them. I don't look for deals just to make money. I'm just, you know, playing games and I, sometimes I get bored with them fast or I get to the wizard mode fast, uh, Toy Story uh, or, you know, something like that and just move it on. You know, once you beat a game, sometimes you're sick of it. And in general, honestly, my personality is I just get bored easy with stuff. Um, you know, I, you didn't ask, but yeah, when I get into something, I put, you know, a hundred thousand percent into something to the point, you know, maybe it's borderline obsessive, but it, it's a double-edged sword. It makes me good at things, but also makes me absorb information or whatever really fast. And then, okay, I'm over that. That's boring. Even though the week before I'm like, this is the best thing of all time. Oh my God, I can't wait. It's, it's going to, you know, it's going to change my life forever. I'm always going to have it next week. Eh, get the fuck out of here. So I, I go through games a lot. Which gives me an interesting perspective because I've had people so many times reach out, Craigslist, Pinside, you name it, of if I bought a game a couple weeks later, they notice it for sale again, usually the same price they sold it for, give or take 50 bucks, maybe gas money, maybe I put a mod on it, whatever. They'll be like, well, why'd you sell it so soon? Was there something wrong with it? One, like, who the fuck cares? It's my game. I'm selling it. Like, I'm... I could explain what I just explained to all to you. Here's this minute description. Like, did you really want to hear all that? <laughs> did you really want to hear my reason? Probably not. I, I mean, you had some sort of maybe emotional attachment to this thing, which I, I mean, I, I get. But I also, as I get older, tried to detach myself from physical objects because they don't they don't bring long term happiness. Again, deeper conversation for another time. But I have my own struggles with stuff and with with things and with addictions, honestly. And, you know, part of me thinks that maybe me going through buying and selling so quickly is just a, you know, addiction, a, a dopamine rush of, of finding a game, getting a good deal, going, buying it. And once you get on the road, like two and a half hours into a five hour drive, like, Jesus, why, why did I do that? And then you're driving home with it. You get home, you open it up. First couple of games, like, yeah, great. And then you find that thing like, oh, shit, maybe I don't like it as much as I thought. What have I done? Well, there's a glimpse into my life, a long story of why I maybe have some experience that may differ from others. But yeah, I've had people ask, you know, give me more than just the tips and tricks of, you know, whatever. Some examples they gave of uh, what's a, you know, a, a bargaining rule? You know, should you go over a certain amount? Should you go under a certain amount? You know, and that's really a, a tough question to answer. But I guess I'll give my kind of my opinion on it, which it really depends. Let's say let's let's take an easy example. Let's take a somewhat recent stern. Um, let's something that's kind of in the middle. Let's say a Deadpool Pro. Now a Deadpool Pro, brand new, right, is going to be somewhere between. Now this is something some of you may or may not know. Between sixty seven hundred and probably a little over seven. Why does it matter? One, it matters what your dealer is going to charge. Two, it matters if you're in the same state. Are you going to have to pay tax? Are you not? Three, will the dealer charge shipping or not? The relationship with the dealer, you name it. There's a few variables, but let's say on average, a brand new Deadpool Pro is $6,800. So someone lists a Deadpool Pro on pin side. Let's say it's, you know, a great home use only. 100 plays, you know, let's say again, plays is another matter. 100 plays, brand new. It's great. And they're charging seven grand for it. All right. If this is about six months ago or in, in the, you know, the depths of the dark pandemic where everything was batshit crazy. Okay. But let's talk in, in general, non-COVID-ish, because it's, it's never going to go back to the way it was. But let's say they have it listed for 7,000. That's too high. Yep. Can you haggle? Yeah. What would I do? Uh, I don't know. If someone had it listed for seven and I really, really wanted the game. 
and you couldn't buy it brand new in box, let's say right now, I would probably, and this isn't insulting because it's it's just a weird situation. I would probably offer 64, uh, 6,400 just to kind of see what happens. If Now, if they write back and say, oh, that's astronomical. I paid this. and Yeah, well, okay. You know, you can take a look at the market archives on Pinside and look at, don't look at that medium price. That, never use that. I mean, use it as like a, a somewhat barometer, like uh, ish, like uh, it'll maybe at least bring you to planet Earth, but that's not what you should use. And here's another tip. When you're going to buy a game from someone and they have it listed again, let's say Deadpool and they have it listed for 7,000, don't email them saying, well, the pin side medium price says it. First, look at their feedback. Have they done this a while? Then don't say that shit. It's just going to piss them off and it's rude. It's assuming that you as the buyer somehow know this better than them. I bet they've probably looked you know, so respect that. Another good tip on, on how you should haggle price. Look at the feedback of the person you're buying or selling from. If they have equal or more, assume that they're probably knowing what they're talking about. Now you can go further and look at their list. And if, if it's all like LEs and it's way above MSRP, okay, they're a flipper. So assume that they're going to be looking for a higher price. If you look at them and all their like stern probes of the last five years are like 500 bucks below MSRP, you're working with someone who's more like me, who's just like, oh, I'm just in the hobby. I, you know, I don't want to lose too much money, but I get it. You know, it's a used price. It's, it's all that. So this is Deadpool pro example, let's say. Let's go to a very wild example right now. How about a Jurassic Park premium? Those prices are weird right now. All right, so a brand new premium will be, again, kind of anywhere between 8700 and like 9400 honestly. And whoever bought it, depends on the dealer, the tax, where they bought it, all that. Let's say, though, it's just MSRP uh, of, I'm just going to say 8800 because I've bought them at various prices, brand new. 8800 brand new Jurassic Park premium. You can't buy it right now, new in box if you want it, and everyone's listening to it for like 10000 it's not here. Everyone, I'm sorry, everyone out there who's who's selling and buying Jurassic Park's premium and think it it's Jurassic Park. It demands this. That's emotion. That's that's not the market. Here's what the market is kind of around me in the Midwest. I bought a home use only, great condition, like basically brand new, eighty four hundred bucks. Yep, eighty four hundred, and that to me is kind of the right price for uh, a good premium. When I traded it out, what did I trade the value for? Eighty four hundred, because I'm not a fuck. And before that, uh, about six months before that, I had not six months, three months before that, I had a Jurassic Park premium as well. What I sell it for? Mid eights again. Sorry for all those out there asking for like high nines and all that. I mean, sure, I guess, but really, it, it's lower than that. Um, so that's a, a tricky one where the title is like, oh, it's Jurassic Park, so it has to be a lot. Well, okay. I mean, the the market and supply will, you know, the market will even itself out. But if the question is, how do you haggle on a, a tricky one like that? My First advice is if someone's asking for like $10,000 on a standard Jurassic Park premium, let's say no mods, just good to go. No valuable mods. I'll get to that in a second, but just, you know, no mods, but great condition. Perfect. And they're listening for $10,000. I would say, don't even, don't even email them. Don't message them because the right price is about 8,500 ish, you know, maybe even a little lower, but I mean, you're really going to haggle them low. If you want to do the kind of meet in the middle, offer them eight, and that's insulting, uh, th that's too much. But if someone has it, like, if it starts with an eight, I think you're fair to message them and tell them exactly what you think, 8,500, something like that. Now, if you really want to, fuck it, just go buy it. But uh, those are tricky. 
And that's similar with uh, Godzilla premiums. Um, they, they are trickling in stock from here or there. So if you want to find it, but a premium is a little harder. So I don't have an exact, oh, it's okay to haggle 10% or a blow or, or above. It's just not a magic number. But if you're see someone, seeing someone who's charging way more than you probably think and you don't want to go that high, I wouldn't even engage. Or if someone has it really low, and I'm not talking like really, like right in the meat. I'm talking like really low. Check their previous history and it could be sketchy. But if if they have it at a price where it's like, oh my God, that, that seems too accurate. Uh, oftentimes, honestly, it is. If you see my prices or when I'm, you know, trading value, it's like, oh, that that seems correct. Yeah, it is. Uh, it, I'm not trying to justify it. I'm just I'm I'm rare. I'm, the only time I've ever charged more than MSRP for a game was a Godzilla premium during the whole like, oh, my God, the minimum was like uh, $10,500 and I sold it for for I wouldn't even say how low, but low. Um, so how much to haggle on a price, man? You got to be kind of intuitive and, and read the room, quote unquote, uh, as much as you can. So maybe that helps. Maybe that doesn't. Um, don't insult people, but also don't tell them you know the market better than them. But check their feedback. Look at your kind of own history and, and you know work with them if you can. I mentioned valuable mods. And that's something that is uh, not, I wouldn't even say it's a point of contention. Here's kind of uh, my opinion from experience of dealing with used pinball machines. Let's say it's it's anything before LCDs, uh, DMD area era itch which is my you know quote bread and butter whatever um here's the valuable mods for that a color dmd a set of well before lcd probably mirror blades a shaker motor kind of anything beyond that is going to be game specific so in general if someone's got something just full of shit you know, just uh, extra plastics, all that. Sure, sure, sure. Take it or leave it. But, you know, a, a color DMD should bring a good four to 500 value. It, it should to a machine. Mirror blades, sure. You know, like 75 to 100 bucks. Uh, I think that's worth it. Shaker motor as well, you know, roughly 100 bucks. I think those are good. Now, if we talk about a specific game, uh, here's, a, here's a couple very specific mods that do bring value. The lighted LE lights on Tron ramps on a Tron Pro. Because the premium, the ramps have the lights. That on a Tron Pro will absolutely bring value. Another for sure value bringer would be the Total Light Show mod on a Metallica Pro. Absolutely have value because that changes that game significantly. Another, mm, this is, is kind of a tricky one, but the Path of the Dead mod on a Lord of the Rings oftentimes will, but... Uh, it kind of depends. I've had one without, I've built my own, all that, but uh, that one can usually bring a little money. Speaking of Lord of the Rings, the Palantir mod will also generally bring money. Beyond that, and that again, that's just my opinion on a few of those games, uh, mods beyond that are like, hey, you're not going to be able to charge 15 grand for Lord of the Rings because it has every figure in the world thrown in it and lighted art blades. And the, some of that stuff just starts to look like blech, too much and, it, and it, it's, it's too much and you're not going to get value. But Color DMD, you bet. Mirror blades, yep. Shaker motor, probably. Everything else, eh. Game specific. Once we get to the LCD era, now what mods really bring value? Um, now it, it comes less, in my opinion. I would say the only two that I really care about these days are art blades, and generally the, the manufacturer specific art blades first, and then second, something like tilt graphics. Sometimes the tilt graphic ones are actually better, but good art blades... I think those should honestly just be stock going forward. It really 
it changes the game. It's, it's one of those mods where I've shown my wife before and after, specifically like on a Ghostbusters. And I was, she's like, what are you doing? Why do you have the play field on some paint cans on the ground? And then I show her, it's like, oh, that wasn't there by default. It looks like it's supposed to be. I'm like, yeah, right. Uh, I, I think art blades bring a good value, you know, roughly hundred bucks, give or take, even though they're about, you know, 90 to 110, the, it, it takes a little bit of work to put those in. Same with mirror blades. Same. I think those are a little easier because you're screwing them in instead of uh, sticking them on with sticky. So blades of some sort. Shaker motor. I'm kind of, you know, falling out of love with shaker motors personally, but that's just me. Uh, sometimes, you know, do, do, uh, think of it this way. Do you think the hardware on the machine likes to, you should be sh- shaking all the time and the screws falling out and mechs? I don't know. And sometimes I don't want to feel the vibration, but I think in general, both of those hold their value. Beyond that, I mean, we don't really have colored DMDs. Okay, here's the elephant in the room. Sorry, toppers, right? I, I guess, yes, those bring value. Um, the official ones, they bring value. Here's why. Even if you don't care about them, which I generally don't, you can resell them on Pinside, usually for pretty close to the MSRP. I mean, probably a hundred bucks off, but so you can value that pretty close, even if you don't like them. But for me personally, and, and like what's in the game aside from the topper, you're not really looking at, you know, colored DMDs anymore, any back box stuff. Those have all been fixed with LEDs. Um, things are loaded with toys. Uh, I guess if you love the game, put a ton in a ton of mods in Godzilla, but you, no matter what you put in there, you, you probably shouldn't expect much return. And I wouldn't pay for much unless it's something that's literal value that you can sell for money. Shaker motor, art blades just bring value. Um, toppers. Sure. My last uh, point to all of this is I guess is the most figure it out figure point it out. of this and it's to those people out there guys and gals that think they're you know God's gift to salesmen of alright you're gonna want this one this is the one to get cash on the glass you'll never see something like this one if you're in the market this is the one and then they have it listed like three grand above what it should be get out of here figure it you out. didn't just suddenly oh you're not gonna believe it oh you've been looking forever selling fear of missing out i mean yeah that's a quick sale that can that's a tactic you know being in sales technical sales myself sure you can do that um it it really leaves a bad taste in people's mouths and and anyone that has any intelligence sees right through it and usually it's not from a place of malice you're not ill intent but it's annoying as shit you know the the cash on the glass. Oh, I really don't want to sell this one. Oh, hurry up before it's gone. Or they lower the price and they put that in the bump, but the price is still like $1,000 over MSP. I lowered it again. I'm doing you a favor. No, you're not, man. Just stop. Knock it off. Uh, here's a, a suggestion for all those wondering about Hagel. Don't deal with people like that. I've lowered the price. I've just done you a favor. You're an asshole. How about that? That's, that's what's going on. Don't, you know... Pure and simple. You are selfishly looking only at your side of this. You don't care if you're taking advantage of someone because you want to make a quick buck. You don't give a shit. And that's fine. Uh, but if we can start weeding those out of kind of the community, there's a place for them. Sure. I mean, hey, more power to you. Do your thing. But that doesn't scream a community type of person. Like, yeah, let's get that guy who's always flipping games and taking advantage of people. That's who I want to work with all the time. That feels good. Or they don't disclose something that's wrong with the game when they sell it to you. And then when you get it, they're like, oh, well, I, I don't see the big deal. Clearly you didn't because you didn't tell me about it. And when I say something, you're like, oh, well, that, you know, this is how it affects me. I don't, I don't care how it affects you. I, I can understand. I, I see how this is a one-way conversation. 
But you can sometimes spot that from a mile away, depending on this person is listing games and how they're communicating it to you. So that one, these magic pinside salesmen out there, fucking figure it out. Figure it out. Figure it out. Figure it out. As I like to do, I want to end this kind of little bit of anger rant with a positive thing. And the positive, I would say, is the same person that I mentioned earlier that came and picked up a Ghostbusters from me just last week, who had it completely figured out. Figured out. How figured out did he have it? Well, he was a recommendation from a a friend of mine. He said a week ahead of time, this is when I'm going to be there. How does that work for you? Works great. He asks, cash cool, cashier's check. What? Cash will work fine. Great. All right, I'll leave it this time. I'll shoot you a text. What happened? Shot me a text when he left. Shot me a text when he was on the way. Shot me a text when he was a quick trip. Uh, and, you know, showed up ready to go. Came with his muscle. <laughs> he knows what I'm talking about. She knows what I'm talking about. Hope you're enjoying your, your D&D. Uh, had a great conversation. Talked about stuff for a while. Um, you know, he mentioned um, how he's been listening to Neon Dale. And honestly, man, it always feels good to hear that. And that his favorite song is Highway. You know, cash, all hundreds, nice envelope, perfect. Uh, took off, sent me a text later, like, hey, thanks again, everything works great. You know, that always feels good to know that, uh, you know, you made someone happy and it's all good and it's kind of like a, a closure to the sale. So again, nice, easy, completely figured out. Figured out. Well, that's enough of me talking by myself. I am excited to have my next guest join me. This fella, I will nominate as one of the nicest, if not nicest guys in pinball, the host of Just Another Pinball Podcast, one of the co-hosts of Triple Drain Podcast, both here on TPN, a popular streamer for the Pinball Network on Twitch, and just an overall awesome pinball guide to the community. Please help me welcome Mr. Joel Engelberth. Welcome, Joel. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, happy to be here. On this lovely Wednesday during work hours, or can I not say that? Uh, you, I, I highly <laughs> doubt, <laughs> but that anybody that I know works. Yeah, but no, yeah. let's go for it. At your work, at my work, listening to this podcast. I get a lunch hour. Yeah, yeah, it's we're we're eating lunch. We just won't actually eat. Well, podcast satiates me and pinball. I don't know about you. Yeah, I've I've learned never to eat food in front of a microphone. Uh, there's. <laughs> Yeah, I did. Your wife and you did that when you did your your chip test, and I, I approve of that. That was that was well. You're yeah. you're the only one. There's someone who <laughs> I an email that I didn't read today that yeah. did not quite approve of it. So uh. I'm either a going to double down on the chewing, or you know, uh, just I'll, I'll basically very much point it out. Well, hey man, thanks for joining me. I'm uh, let me give you, even though you're my guest, and I want you to talk more than me. Let me give you. Uh, I think I hinted at this via text maybe a month or so ago, of like when I first heard you. Um, I was, and why it's why I will remember it is because I was on my way to get my first, um, COVID vaccine shot and I had to drive. Cause remember when it was like, when it finally came out, everyone was like, Oh my God, can I get it here? Can I get it there? Oh uh-huh. my God. You know, everyone wanted, I had to drive a couple hours. Cause so like, yeah, juice me up. I'm not waiting. Like I don't want to die. So I drove up there and I had, it, it was right when I was coming back into i took like a couple year break and i i was out of the game i had no pinball machines i didn't know what to do i didn't know what podcasts exist anymore i was like what and the first one i found was just another pinball podcast oh that's awesome and the one i heard on the way up there was you kind of reviewing 
I think you were kind of reviewing or whatever. You're talking about turtles. You had just got it. And I was like, oh my God, there's a fucking turtles yeah. pinball machine. Holy shit. So like you kept me company on my way to get my first uh, COVID shot. Wow. I'm, that's, I'm glad that somehow my name is forever remembered as, yeah. Oh, COVID shot. Joel. Yeah, yeah, I got it. Uh, <laughs> well, at least the positive side of COVID. Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah, I'll you take know? it. And what struck out or what you were talking about it was the art because you had a play field with, right? Like the screen yep. printing was off. The printing, it was digitally printed and it was not good. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, these are the problems these days. Okay, cool. But like the way, you know, you said a common attitude about it. And I, I don't know. Since then, I had seen you on, um, I think, streaming. And then when, you know, you and I first kind of quote unquote talked was I was mowing the lawn. Uh-huh. And it was like a few weeks before we were going to record Cosmic, this this album we did in, in Denver. And we were preparing so like every day, just like practicing, practicing. And you guys were like doing some Tom Talk segment. And I was I was literally mowing my lawn on the riding mower. And like, oh, if anyone wants to do like a little like segment, I was like, and I was like, oh, shit. OK, I got you. Came, yeah. I, I stopped mowing the lawn because like, oh, why not? I'll go in because for me, it's just, you know, it's just second nature to me. I, I went inside, recorded it in like 10 minutes, whatever, sent it to you. And you guys were like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. So Triple Drain, Travis, Tom and I, we have a great time on that podcast. And to be honest, we have no idea if anybody listens. I mean, it's just it's I do. Yeah, it's well, I appreciate that. Yeah. And we, I mean, we're just joking around. And obviously, Travis and I, we we talk a lot. And Tom, Tom is the wise one. You know, when Tom when Tom talks, you you listen. Tom talks. He's got something to say. Tom yeah, talks. If he's going to say something, it's worth listening to. And we just started, I don't remember exactly who mentioned it, but they're like, we, we need to maybe set aside some time every every episode to just let Tom talk. And uh, and there we go. So Tom talks, but I said it totally as a joke. If, you know, if somebody wants to record an intro on this, you know, let us know. And that's what you, I mean, you blew me away. I remember, I remember I was in the Chick-fil-A parking, like drive through Nice. And I checked my email and I was like, what? And I'm listening <laughs> to this. And I, I mean, it was professional. It was funny. I just was expecting somebody to just, I, if anybody was going to submit something, I thought it would be just and nowhere near the quality of what you sent us. And I I was dying, sent it to Tom and Travis. They thought it was hilarious. And then you went on to make every other jingle that's in our podcast. So thank you very much for, for being a part of Triple Drain. Oh, of course. And I wouldn't do it for just, I mean, I, I love the podcast. I, I really do. Um, I think the, the mix between you three, like you said, Tom is like, when he talks, it usually means something. He doesn't yep. always talk. Um, and then, you know, the banter between you and Travis is always great. Uh, and it, it, it's all good. You know, I don't, I don't want to boost you up too much, but it is. It, well, it's, thank it's you. Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, then when you were, <laughs> you're like, Oh, can you do an intro? It's like, sure. And I think it was yep. still that night or the next day, but then the, when you were the triple combo, which you gotta, you yeah. gotta do that more. I asked I Dana, that was Dana who did the, the girl voice in that. My wife, um, I was like, Hey, come in here. I didn't even tell her what it was like, say yeah. this thing. Like, why would I say it? I'm like, say it into this mic. <laughs> and she yeah. said it and I played it for her later. She's like, shit, what are yeah. you doing? Um, oh, the triple combo. It, I think it's, it's my favorite jingle. It's also probably our best segment. And unfortunately, we don't do it often because we record every two, three weeks. And normally there's enough news to talk about that we we realize like, crap, it's been an hour and a half. It's been two hours. Like, we should probably wrap this up. And a, and a triple combo where we really break down the game three ways I mean, it's it's dedicated. Like you're looking at a half hour, easy, and yeah. um, we want to do it right. We know people like it, so we know we need to do it more. We really do. It should probably be its own spinoff thing at this point, but um, it's the best intro. It's the best intro you've I, made. So yeah, thank you very much. I agree. It's 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 one of the best segments as well because uh, 
I remember the Mandalorian one again. Surprise! I was mowing the lawn when I was listening to the Mandalorian one of of you guys talking about. Uh, it, it was most revealing to me when I think it was Travis. Well, Travis and Tom talking about the way they would play it in a tournament. Which to me, I'm like, I just hit the center. And yeah. Mando. I mean, what, what else would you do in that game? Uh, and it's helped um, sometimes when I'm on site playing that game, which uh, is not often. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that comes up. Um, well, you're here today to help me review Stranger Things, um, but. Before we get to that, I want to, and everyone else wants to get to know your balls. Oh, yeah. Okay. Let's do it. We yeah. are getting to know your balls. You know, I've, I have kind of a revolving list of questions. It's like 15 to 20, and I pick whatever. We'll see how many we get to. But some I change over time as some of these come up. And uh, so let's just get right to it. For you, do you prefer to play pinball on location or at home? At home, hundred percent. Yeah, I just I love location play. Don't get me wrong, but with two two very small kids, the chances of getting out and being gone, it just I'd much rather just play at home when they're asleep. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, gives me a and chance to play whenever I want. Those games that have seen your background is this yep. like upstairs, downstairs? How do you, in my basement? Loud? Okay, yeah, basement, cool. Yep. Yep. All right, when you're playing pinball, what are you more excited to get? Multi ball or extra ball? Oh, uh, extra ball. I suck. So, I mean, I I need the extra balls. I look forward to the extra balls. My entire game plan when trying to get through a game is is how do I get to my next extra ball? So, <laughs> extra ball absolutely gives me more joy than multi ball. All right. Do you have a favorite era of pinball? Oh, uh, modern. I just I'm don't get me wrong, I enjoy a lot of the older games and and I I can have a lot of fun on them, but just the modern stuff uh, to me, I, I look at pinball as a very social activity and, and I want, you know, I want to play with other people and I know the LCD screen and in the, the fancy light shows and all that do a much better job, job of drawing new people in to play than, you know, games that are just about score. Um, so that's at least, at least in my home collection or games that I borrow, those games get played way more than some of the older games I had. Yeah. Well, speaking of older games, this happens more in uh, older games. Do you like, love, or hate fixing things on games? Um, I used to love it. I got into this hobby buying broken games, and, and that was just the only way I could afford it. Buy the broken game, and I love the ability to just come down here and tinker. And there's a point of pride. I bought an 8-Ball Deluxe that was literally dead, and mm. I had to replace so much in that. And to get it working and i mean the pride that i had at the end of having a fully working game was incredible um i really really enjoyed that um but now on these modern games you know i just i just want them to work <laughs> so yeah. when something's broken it's normally like ah crap now you know like is this this might be outside of something that i i can fix so um i used to love it now i don't i'm i just like having games i can play mm, i can i can relate yep. since you, you mentioned uh used to do that with beaters do you have any uh, horror stories of the secondary market anything that was just like oh my god i can't believe this happened um not uh oh so my one horror like when i think of selling or buying games the 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 worst feeling i've ever had was actually selling a game and it was when i sold my hobbit and i sold it i drove two and a half hours up it was actually a trade i was trading hobbit for three other games no yeah it was a three for one and we had already loaded up all three games and it was right. I mean, we had spent well over an hour or something 
loading up three games into the minivan. We had to take the head box off one, all this stuff, the back box off one. I mean, it was a whole ordeal. And then it was just at the end, like, okay, here we go. We've set up Hobbit. Let's turn it on. Let me show you a few things. I go to turn it on and it didn't turn on. And so this, oh. this feeling of like, holy crap, where do I even start on this? You know, because this is a newer game. It's a computer. Like what, uh, you know, am I going to have to unload all these games? Do I like, I was just this this feeling of despair. Yeah. And um, we pulled out a multi, uh, multimeter and, and started checking things. Long story short, I had forgotten that on JJP Games, the cord, uh, even though it, it's behind a panel that's screwed on, that the main power cord actually unplugs. And so that's all it was, was the main power cord wasn't fully plugged in. So, oh. you know, 30 minutes of troubleshooting all the complex stuff. Yeah. And it ended up being. Did you check panel, if it was plugged in? Plugged it in further and <laughs> boom, fired right up. But that's like, oh. that was, luckily every game I bought, I've I've been lucky that they're they're as described, whether good or bad. But um, selling was like, oh no. Like, <laughs> yeah. That probably went from like just deep, depths stressed suddenly oh man amazing relief oh just plug it in yes it just okay god thank god but you know <laughs> and that's a the, heavy ass game at that yes exactly and the the time and unloading and it was just and the cost behind it i just but all Ooh. the that's that's the fear of the the newer games is sometimes you know when things go wrong i just it's so much easier to troubleshoot some of the older stuff but yep um uh, what is a mod that to you is valuable if you're like a used game or you think, oh, I value that mod. So if I was to buy a game and the mod was already on it. Yeah. Um, that's a good question. Uh, like I, I'm a big fan of Stern Art Blades. So if they already have those installed, that's mm -hmm. great. That That's probably something I was going to install anyways. Um, same thing with the shaker motor. Sure. I'll take it. Be happy yep. to do that. Um, Pin stadiums, I know, oh. I, I, I like them, but I would never, I don't want to pay extra for them because sure. I've actually made my own. Um, so I don't know if somebody uh, replaced, if it was an older game and they went ahead and swapped everything for LEDs, that's something I probably would have done anyways. So there you go. those are all mods I, I respect that are common mods. Okay. So in a game, do you value the theme or the actual gameplay more? Wow. Um, the longer that I've been in this hobby, 100% gameplay. Um, when I first started, all I cared about was theme, you know, because you have that idea of you're going to get one game. What's a, you know, when I was first got in, I was researching Turtles, I was researching Simpsons, Batman, you know, th themes that I cared about. And the longer they've gotten played, you know, what I've realized is I want to play my games. I don't want to just look at them. So if you only Same. care about theme, you know, grab a game that you think's a theme that you love and a game that you think looks pretty and just let it sit there in the corner. But to me, I want a game that keeps drawing me back in. And that's where, you know, I've had games that are amazing themes, but it just, the shots or the, the game didn't really keep me coming back. So it left. Yeah. Speaking of what's your favorite game right now? Could be your favorite game of all time. Could just My be like right now. I'm just, Oh, I love it. My favorite game still is TNA, Total Nuclear Annihilation. I've, ah. it's just, I, that game, there's just something about it. The music, it, it doesn't get old. It keeps drawing me back in. I love playing it with other people. Um, Scott is continually adding to the code. So I feel like I have a game that's still being developed even, which is awesome. 
Um, and even being developed with your name in it. Is that correct? Yes. I am super happy about that. Scott is such a nice guy and I've met him in person a few times and talked to him and he's been on my stream and all this fun stuff. And, um, but yeah, I suggested something. I, I suggested to him that it would be awesome if, if when you hit the spinner right now, it counts how many, how many overall spins you have during a game. But I suggested, Hey, some of these older games have it where it'll count how many spins you get in one hit, like a spinner rip. And I told him it would be really cool if you did that in your game and had like a spinner rip champion. Mm. And um, long story short, he did it and he set my name as the high, uh, the default high score, which is, I mean, that's what's, that's the awesome. dude's so nice. He's such a great guy. But TNA is, is right now still my, my overall favorite game. And I'm going to get to the last question in a second here. But speaking of TNA... You called me the other day. Again, hey, you're mowing the lawn, right? I was it, mowing my lawn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, actually, when you called, I don't even know if I told you this. I was in the, my, my basement has these like stairs I have to turn to get games up. It's it's a, wow, it's a it's a whole podcast I could talk about how this has to happen. But I had a, a Ghostbusters like balancing and my phone was buzzing. I'm like, I'm like, see, I was like, oh, okay, well, pick it up. <laughs> but I had my AirPods in because I was listening. Oh, okay. like, yeah. So I was like balancing this Ghostbusters when I was like, hello? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. uh, But you called to... Uh, talk about TNA and your love for it and all this, but I almost bought one last night. And the only reason I didn't, and I still plan to, was that I was at a work event and, you know, past COVID for those who work in software or whatever, it's just the same old story. Now that COVID's kind of lightening up, you go into the office. Sometimes it's kind of weird. You go there and then you just join a zoom meeting anyway. It's like, what? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we go there yesterday and if I could make it to this guy's house by 4 PM, I could do it, but he had some plans at night and at work. I don't know about everyone else out there, but I don't always love the like after work dinner stuff or the like, Ugh. so I often, cause I'm like an hour and a half away from one of our sister offices. I often will like dip out at like three to, to miss traffic or, and so I had to play it by ear. But like if it was, if my, if the team I manage was like only some of them there and I could get out early, I was going to be like, Oh, I got to get home early and white lie to go pick up <laughs> yeah, TNA. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. what I was going to do. But like, uh, actually I had a good time, uh, and seeing people and I was like, ah, I can't make it. So I, I almost had one and we could have almost talked about it today, but I don't quite. Hey, but, you'll get one. Yeah. Ah. No, uh, you're on your last podcast. I can tell you're right on the edge. You're, you're debating it. And we talk pros and cons and, you're Basically, pushing very, me over the edge, man. Yeah, I'm very curious. I'm like, you're going to know in a day or two whether or not that game's already ready to be sold or you're hooked. Yeah. And um, I'm excited to see that journey for you. It may be very short-lived or you may <laughs> be locked in. I don't know, but I, I love it. I love the game. I sold it once myself and immediately regretted it. And it's the only game I've ever sold that I bought back. And that wow. kind of told me that, I mean, I mean, I know that's common for you. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, for me, yeah. like, whoa, what is that like? Yeah. yeah. But that was to me like, okay, I, I know that feeling before. And yeah, if I if I had to weed it down to like one or two games, that would be the last to go probably. Okay. So this last question, no matter how it's answered, is not a knock against any designer, any distributor, anything. It's just, it's opinion, right? So if TNA <laughs> is your favorite game, what is your least favorite game? Oh, Lord. Um least favorite game. well if i if i lean into um like the triple drained in the the hate that i've the hate mail i've gotten for saying it uh, i oh. mean ha halloween man i <laughs> yeah. i really really have struggled with that game um i've tried it and i will continue to try it anytime i see it and i just can't every, i just can't i can't experience the game if i can't hit the shots and the middle shot is the thing that's rejecting me over and over again so i don't know that mm. That would probably be one of them. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, I, I'm trying to think. I don't know. There was a few, 
like no offense, but like Hot Wheels, I borrowed Hot Wheels and it just didn't click with me. That was okay. one game that Zach was flipping out, let me borrow. And when he said he was going to come pick it up, I was like, thank God. I was <laughs> ready. I was ready for it to be gone. And it just, that game is um, very score-based. Uh, a lot of the appeal that people that bring people back in is keeping your RPMs up and keep going and keep going. And I just, I don't care. Like, I just want progress. <laughs> I just, I just want to see more of yeah. the game and experience more moments. And that just, there was a lot I liked about the game, but that was one game that I was like, you can have it. <laughs> Take it back. I'm ready for the next. Yeah. That's the most, I think, cut to the chase comment. When you start feeling about a game, I don't care. It's like, it's, it's, you're mentally checking out. Like, with oh, certain yeah. shots, like, especially, yeah, score, where like, there's certain games where like, if there's so many hurry ups, for me personally, every shot's a hurry up. Like, after one, I'm like, yeah, so what? Like, I don't, yeah. you know, for, like, for me, I like Jurassic Park, where like, I, I mean, there's the, uh, the missile shot, you know, but other than that and some of the time stuff, that game to me just kind of screams like, yeah, the, har- the 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 modes modes you know are are hard. You can take your time, but you can take your time. You don't have yeah. to always hit the rescues. Like, all right, you have ten seconds. You better hurry up and hit it. Like, yeah, you'll get a little bonus for doing faster. But I, I like that in that game. I totally. Games. get I mean, at the end of the day, these are just toys, and no yeah, one's man. making you play them. And the only exception to that is like, I do stream. I I stream, and and so I tell myself, all right, I'm going to play this game for two plus hours. And you know, when you're an hour. Or even 45 minutes in and you're like, oh, geez, I got an hour more. I got to play this thing or grind uh, away at this thing. And um, I, I started to feel that with Toy Story. But to be honest, now that Toy Story is gone, like I do miss parts of it. There, there are parts of that game that I really enjoyed. And, you know, I, I, if hmm. I see one on location, I will happily go play, you know, a few games on it. So it's, it's, it's such a weird thing that we do. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. It's surprisingly one game that we have on location. Uh toy story and that's where i play it and i'm you know it's like really good candy oh i love it uh, but i don't want to you know eat it yeah, long yeah. term um but every time i go there i at least yep. play a game or that two duke kaboom ramp man Ooh. it'll pull you back in. i love it feels it's, good and my location right next to it is rush so i play rush yep. and you know rush has it's like you're playing a game when you're playing oh, rush yeah. and like oh all right i need a little, little palate cleanse i'll go play toy story and whatever um but hey Let's get on to what we're going to talk about today. It's a very interesting game, I should say, just in the overall market, in the pantheon of pinball. There's just a very, it's a strange, quote unquote, story (laughs) to how this game went from straight trash to one of the most coveted games of the last five years, and that's Stern's Stranger Things. I knew about the game... Uh, you know, after it came out, and the same thing when it first came out, everyone's like, "Ah, oh, the rules are weird. It's 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 not much here. It's really clunky. The plunge is lame. The the Gorgon shot is that what's called? What's this? Demogorgon. What? Demogorgon. Yeah, the Demogorgon shot. It never works. It's totally busted. There's all these all the negatives, you know. And I remember playing it on location at Tilt Pinball in Minneapolis, and my first thoughts were, "Yeah, I still think the plunge, and we'll get to that in a bit, isn't the greatest." But man, as soon as that ramp came down. And the lights started hitting. I was like, whoa. Yeah. Oh, boy. Here's pinball. This is what it feels like. I remember when I'm doing like uh, Battle of Power or Adam's Family back in the day. We're like, what? They, you do this? Um, so my first impression were whole oh, just the th- just the mood, you know. And I ended up getting a premium right when it was like in between people hating it and people like, oh, oh wait, it's great. Uh, so it was like normal price for like a month, maybe a month. 
I think I traded a Attack from Mars remake plus a bunch of money for it um, with a guy in Green Bay. Got home and uh, I'll talk about it in a second, but that was my story. I had a premium for a short while. You had a pro, is that correct? Yeah, Zach uh, had let me borrow a pro. And so I had one early on, early on when they were, they were out and available. Um, oh, I was actually, so what had happened was I had ordered a Turtles from him. And this is back when like Turtles had just come out. This is back when people kind of expected to get the game when they ordered it, you know? <laughs> yeah. So Jur- Turtles had just come out. I placed an order with Zach for it. And, um, and he's like, Hey, there's some delays. Uh, unfortunately, you're not going to get one of the first orders. And I was like, okay, well, I, I don't have anything to stream then. He goes, well, I actually let, there was a, there was a tournament in Kentucky where he gave them a stranger things to play for the tournament. And he goes, I, I actually let one of the guys in the tournament take that home. He goes, if you want to go pick it up, you can. I was like, okay. So I drove yeah. down to Kentucky and picked this game up How just to be able to stream it. Sorry it was your... like two hours. It wasn't okay. bad. Okay. But I okay. went and picked this game up and and just to have something to stream until I had turtles. And that's what kind of started the streaming relationship that I have with Zach. But um, huh. so I, I was just like, whatever. It, it was the first time I had had a game that wasn't mine with no preconceived notion of like, I need to like this or not. Just because yeah. I knew I was essentially just holding on to it. And um, yeah, my first few games on the game, hated it hated it mm. absolutely didn't enjoy it at all if i would have been on location i probably would have moved on to the next game but because i was knew i was going to be playing it for a while I, I started to dive in further and um and that's when i really started to enjoy the game like that game the longer i had it the more and more i really fell in love with that game well let's talk about gameplay in just a second the overall theme which i know last time i was talking about i think anyone who does like theme it's kind of like flip a coin for some people because yeah. either people love Star Wars, they love Star Trek, or they love Lord of the Rings, or they like cars, or you know, whatever. But I think, you know, kind of in the, you know, the zeitgeist again of just pop culture at the time, and still to this day, because season five kind of brought back people's love of the, of this franchise. I, I guess for me personally, whatever, subjective, I would give it a solid seven. You know, if, if you rank it against Star Wars, it's like, well, it's not Star Wars, but you rank it against like, Walking Dead these days, it's a little higher. So just overall, the theme where uh, in the pinball history, horror slash dark moody themes are, are popular. You know, Dracula, Twilight Zone, Adam's Family. You know, it, it's it's a it's a mood to a pinball machine that, that, that's kind of popular. So I'll give it a seven. How about you? Uh, no, I think that's a that's actually a really good number. I think currently, right now, yes, yeah, Stranger Things is still very hip and cool, you know, like I, we watched it, we loved the show. Um, so it was something I very, I, I mean, I recognized it. And I would say when I had the game, the majority of my friends and family all, Oh, stranger things. Like they knew exactly what it was and were curious to see, uh, what the game was, but yeah, the, the theme of the, of the game, they definitely went more kind of spooky and eerie yeah. than like lighthearted, fun Goonies type, you know, like let's, let's really embrace the, the childhood, you know, joy of the show. So that was my initial thing of like, this game's pretty dark. Like this game is actually kind of darker or scary. I was worried, uh, you know, at my time, my two-year-old daughter at the time, I was like, I don't want her to be scared of this game and the artwork. Um, and so, but yes, theme wise, I agree. I think seven is a good, is a good number for that. I'll give you that. What I think most people care about, and including you, because gameplay versus theme, uh, I'll let you start on this gameplay. What do you? What are your thoughts on the overall gameplay? Can you give it a number? What do you love? What do you not love? Gameplay, I that game really grew on me. Not only just as the more I experienced it, but um, 
it's just the the code. I mean, I got it where there was actual code updates like throughout the two or three months I had. So the game just kept evolving more. Overall gameplay, I would say I, I actually enjoy the way it shoots. Um, initially, the reason I was frustrated early on is because you got this big thing in the middle that's yelling at you to hit it in the face. And the reality is that's an incredibly dangerous shot. So if that's all you're focused on is to just keep bashing that guy, you're going to hate the game because you're going to drain so much. So when you start kind of ignoring him and saving him for certain moments where it's safe to hit the Demogorgon and you start focusing on the modes, then you actually realize like, oh, these modes are a lot of fun. There are some, you know, switch hit modes and different modes where, you know, all the shots are lit, like fine barb, all the shots are lit and you're trying to guess which shot it is. And um, I I just love that, that the modes actually have character to them. And, you know, it's like, oh, no, I'm doing that mode and that's not the mode I wanted to do. So let's get this multi-ball going so I can try to get through it. And um, I would say the overall layout, I love the left orbit that feeds into the right ramp. I enjoyed that a lot. The right orbit that goes back into the pops, not a very satisfying shot, but it's a, um, I always looked at that as like a safe shot. Like, okay, let me take a breath. Let me just kick the ball back there and just take a breath for a second. Or if you need that to qualify a mode or something, it's like, well, that's safe. Let me go for that. Um, The uh, burn it back loop is fast. Like that's Mm. a cool shot. That's kind of unique the way that that goes around. Um, I will say the saucer on the left is kind of meh. Yeah, like yeah, meh. That's, and that's that's giving it a lot of credit. Meh. Yeah, it's not it's not exciting. It's it, there are times when you need to hit it. You know, if you want to get your multiplier going or stuff, it's like okay, good. But yeah. never. Uh, it doesn't feel good. Yeah. Um, the right ramp was my. It, it's a. It felt good when I hit it, but that was the ramp that really. There were so many modes or situations where it's like crap. Like that's the ramp I have to hit. And at least on the one I had, I couldn't backhand it. So it had to be across the play field. It was a more dangerous shot. But overall, I wasn't, I didn't think it felt clunky. I thought it was a, a, a very enjoyable layout. And the deeper you get into the game, um, and we'll talk more about code, but like, yeah. I don't know. I just, I really enjoyed it. That game, I really had a lot of highs and lows with that game and, and adrenaline pumping at, at moments, which was awesome. So um, if I had to give it a score, I'd probably give it, uh, I don't know, uh, eight, an eight. I mean, okay. it's, it was really, really enjoyable. From what you're saying, I, I'm here in eight. I, I would echo everything you said. And my only, not to beat a you know horse to death, my only c- complaint, I guess, on the premium was the, the TK lock. And it, it's oh, one of yeah. those, you know, that like, I didn't believe it because a lot of times you hear like, uh, oh, th- that, that ramp's always garbage or whatever it may be in this game. This one's usually kind of true. Like, it, yes, it does work. If the shot's perfect, it does, but not every shot is perfect. And yeah. like when it's to lock balls and yeah. it's how you get your main multi-ball, uh, you need that to work. So even though I, I think most people's, you know, premium want, including myself, it's the projector more than anything. Um, and we'll get to visuals in a second. But for me, that telekinesis lock, like when it worked, it was so awesome, but I, I had to disable it. And even when I sold it, I was like, hey, it works, man, if you kind of want it to. But, yeah. I, you know, if you want to play the game and not just like say, show someone, hey, let me hit this 10 times. It'll work three out of 10 times. Like you just got to disable it. So I think that's kind of uh, I, I didn't like that. I also didn't like the plunge into drop targets similar to Star Trek or sorry, Star Wars. I don't like plunges yeah. that just bunk into something. It just doesn't feel, you know, it's not a kinetic satisfaction. Um, so while I, what I loved 
disabling the, the TK lock, both ramps I thought were super smooth. What yep. you mentioned about the orbits, great. Like all the shots in general, if you want to hit them, you have a really good percentage chance of hitting them. And that well, to, to talk about the lock. So I had the pro and yeah. so the lock on the pro was a safe shot for me. You could cradle up on the left flipper and backhand it. And it was yeah. almost guaranteed. And that's something that I've realized talking more to, to other premium or LE owners, that's not a safe shot. So like no. to get into multi-ball or to, to get that ball back there to lock, like to me, it was like, Oh, thank goodness. All that's all I have to hit. Just get to the left flipper backhand. Boom. I'm safe. Well, they are like, not at all. Like if you want to get that TK lock, you almost have to hit it from the right flipper. It's yes. gotta be clean. It's gotta Fair. have enough power to get up there. Yep. And, and just to say the pro versus the premium, all I had, I had a pro stock, stranger things and i and i really enjoyed it and it wasn't until i gave it back did i have a chance to play zach's le and his had the uv light kit the projector and it was just like it it blew my mind like that that the the atmosphere that that creates like i had a great time on a stock bare bones version and that that's what i told myself i was like if i ever get a if i ever get a stranger things again i've got to go premium or le like i've got to get the rest of that experience at least for me, but it is a shame that yes, the left ramp is kind of a negative with yeah. the pro, with the premium and LE. Very similar to Walking Dead, that left ramp. They always yeah. got to they always got to fuck with it. Uh, <laughs> the uh, all right. So rules. Um, what do you think? I actually the rules. Oh wait, sorry. Yeah, I should say ahead. my number. Uh, oh, yeah. I'll give gameplay a seven. So I agree with you. It's almost like the premium shoots worse than the pro. For what it's worth, if you have that TK lock, so I'm I'm just gonna say seven. Um, otherwise i would say eight. all right go ahead rules yeah um rules i actually the rules grew on me a lot and and part of it's because it is linear but yet you do have options so some of these games um where you can do all the things all the time um i i struggle with that even with video games like i i prefer platformers i prefer you know like super mario or something where it gives you like give me direction um yeah. compared to like a grand theft auto where you just Elden explore that yeah explore the whole world do whatever yeah. you want and that's what I liked about Stranger Things was I understood you have 12 modes. Everyone's very unique. You you can control which mode you're going to pick. So what do you want to do? Oh, I don't want that mode. Kick it back in the pops. Try to get another mode. And then what I really liked about it was the progression. So I really liked that knowing, all right, I got to get through three modes and then I have an extra ball. And then if I get through my fourth mode, then I'm in, what is it? Total isolation. Yep. And then six modes is an extra ball. And then eight modes. Like I always felt like things were just right around the corner. Like I, I can just keep chugging along and I can get to that next step. And um, I don't know. It was a code that that drew me in. And because the game is so eerie and the atmosphere, um, I don't know. It just that was a game that I could really get immersed in. Um, so I I really I I would put it, you know, it's probably I don't know. I don't care about scoring. That's the Same. thing. I don't care I about score at all. Yeah. So if I just look at it as as an experience, I'd probably put it pretty high. I'd probably put it at an eight, maybe even a nine. I really enjoyed the code. Um, I'm gonna, in that I'm gonna game. put you at an eight point five. Oh, I didn't know we could do decimals. Let's do why it. not? Yeah. Hey, yeah. You're, you're, let's go. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Eight point five rules on me uh, again. You said it as well as I could, if not better. I think the straightforwardness is a very big boon to the game. Um, it. My favorite, it's one of those games where I hit a mode and you said they don't do anything, not that they don't do anything light, but when I hit the bullshit mode bullshit. for the yeah. first time, yeah. I was bullshit. laughing out loud to myself like a, like a freak in, in, in the entryway of my house when I had it just set up. 
And I was like, oh my God. And I tried to like tell Dana, like, you got to come see this, you know, that that was humorous. And there's yeah, not many games, yeah. especially pinball games that really put a smile on my face. And this is one of those games that does. And I'll talk about visuals, which does in a second as well. But I think the rules are exactly as in depth as most pinball games should be to where there's a lot, but there's not too much to where like you need to get a rule book out you need to memorize everything it's like it's, it's pretty straightforward you get multi or you get extra balls like you said uh, at a good kind of rate yeah um and it has enough strange mode <laughs> pun enough strange modes like oh that's really sweet and when the uv mode comes yep. in and out and i think let's just overall even though you said you had stock let's just assume that this is a full package game we're kind of talking about with the UV kit. And just to for my own segue, I, well, I'm going to say rules is nine. I, I think they're fantastic. And when you have everything, including all the visuals, so I'm just going to go right into visuals of the projector is huge. Yep. I think, yes, they should have done a more gray material for the, um, the actual screen. But as like an audio visual nerd, which probably a lot of us are who, who care about home theater and all that, um, you know, the, the best contrast and colors to get in a projector screen is white, but you want that to be in a light controlled room. You can't really control lights in a pinball machine that well. So I, I get why they had to do it. It's the most pop. But if you can control the lights in the room and get that a gray, mat- gray material, that's my only, you know, <laughs> nerding sure. out con to the game. But the UV kit, I just, it has to be there. You got to have it for the full experience if you really want it. Um, w- when it go- when it turns on, I, it's one of those smile things where like, oh, yeah. this is a game that the premium itself or that should be an LE price just because there, there's no other game that does something like this. You got the UV light kit, you got the projector, the, the Demogorgon shakes. It's such a mood. It's such a, you want to show everyone. Yeah. Anyone who doesn't like pinball, loves pinball, like, look at this. And they'll it'll blow their mind. Uh, so I don't think if there is a better category that this could easily be a 10 for me. Uh, visuals for me are a 10. What do you think? I, I think you're you're 100% right. Um, when I, even just the pro, I enjoyed, um, I enjoyed the visuals. You know, I, I love that they have the movie clips. I think the, the animations, everything they have at the LCD screen, I have no complaints. I just, the visuals that they have going on, even the artwork, uh, I, I, I don't mind. I mean, it is Photoshop, but I, I like the color choices. Like it is a scarier looking game. At least I, I know some of the cabinet art, but I, I still, I think it's great, but you're right. The visuals where they go way overboard is that projector. Once I saw that it, you know, we all want pinball machines that are, aren't static, that change that as the game evolves or, you know, oh, there's a diverter. So now when I hit this, it does something different or, you know, here's, I'm in a, I'm in another play field to experience something different. Well, the projector, nothing's physically changing, but visually they, ever they make the modes visually feel different, look different. The fact that the spinner, the graphics on that, and the graphics on the drop targets are changing. Yes. Not to mention video clips on the on the. I mean, it's 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 amazing. It's amazing what they did with the projector. I would love for them to bring that into other games. And then the UV light kit. The fact that that was printed on every playfield and no one knew about it until oh, months so cool. later. I mean, what a great Easter egg to have hidden in there. And yeah, it changes once again. The the lights go dim, and you now the playfield looks completely different. Um, you're right. I, if if a game deserves a ten. I would, I'd put this right there. Yeah. Yeah. And you made a good point of like, not only the projector on the big screen, but the fact that they did it on the little drop targets yep. and the little, in the ramps. Uh, yeah. Like, I, I don't know whoever did that. And I should just look it up on pin side and tell me, but like, I, <laughs> who specifically's jobs? Like, all right, we got all the art, we got all the assets in the LCD screen. All right. Now what you need to do 
is take this projector. Yeah, projection mapping. Yeah, Projection map onto ramps, these curved yep. surfaces. And that isn't like celebrated as this like huge win where people are like, oh, but the Demogorgon. So like, fuck off. Like, come on. What other game does <laughs> yeah. that? Honestly. Yeah. Or they're like, oh, you can't see it. It's too bright. It's like they dim the lights. Like, it's such a great game. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, I, I'm glad you agree with the 10. I think if, if any game deserve it, deserves it, it's this. Um, audio, what do you think? Now, audio, this is the weakest part, in my opinion. I mean, they got music, and I will tell you, when I had it, there was a mod. It was like a Cleveland mod or something like that where it would it would change out a lot of the, the music that they made up for music of the time, yeah. which was pretty cool. I really enjoyed that, um, but that's not official, so it's just... But the, the unfortunately, Hopper, I love the character Hopper, but his call outs are not good. Um, <laughs> they are so low energy. They are, in fact, bad. They are so low energy. And um, it just that was just one of I mean, that's really kind of one of the only negatives I have on the game is just the audio package in my mind could be a lot better or the call outs. Just yeah, it's like outlane ball save lit. It's like. <laughs> great thanks man (laughs) you know sorry to bother you you know he's reading a grocery list yeah so it's it's an unfortunate thing that i just now the quality of pinball these days you gotta have everything you gotta have everything to really blow you away and that uh, the audio package is the one area luckily the cleveland mod really helps it adds a lot more energy there with some of the musical changes that they added into it but the call outs drag it down so i mean if i have to focus just on that category i'd probably give it like a six or six maybe I, okay th- there are immersive moments though like don't get me wrong like yeah total annihilation or total it's not annihilation isolation total isolation or something like that is very quiet and ear and will draw you in and i play with headphones so they do a lot right so maybe that's hard maybe i'll give it a seven i'll give, give it a seven, seven. You know, I was going to do the same. I'm also giving it a seven. And the only reason I'm doing it to play like, I guess maybe devil's advocate's not the right term, but I am I only had the Cleland mod on mine. Okay. So, but again, that only affects the music. The call, I don't think they did. They tweaked the callouts because the same callouts no. were just like, oh, welcome to this yeah, game. No, yeah. Look at what you just did. Um, yeah. Aside from the bullshit mode, which again, the audio yep. was the thing that gave me a smile. And <laughs> his kind of drab like bullshit was actually kind of charming for that mode. Um, but, uh, the audio again, I mean, that's like rating like classic eighties songs. Like some of them are great, but, uh, I'm saying a seven for that reason. And because the Demogorgon, just the kind of creature sounds. And when you go into the UV mode, it's like, oh yeah, yeah. That really, you know, drew me in. Um, and it kind of, uh, just the sound effects of when you were hitting, like, is it the drop targets? They're kind of like clinky. Oh yeah. You know what I'm talking about? It is entirely the call outs like yeah, everything yeah. else i am totally fine with everything else they had in that game it is just the call outs that i that really drag it down yep well if we take our numbers and add them up uh i'm at an 80 you're at a 79 we're pretty much in line like b minus now again i'm like you the numbers don't really matter yeah so what i care about most is just kind of my overall opinion on the game uh i want you to start like if you had to say um someone who's new to pinball said what do you think of this game stranger things is this a average above average fa what what is your oh man i would say it's above average like it truly i that is a game that i would i would consider genuinely consider getting back in the house but the problem Mm. is it has to be a premium yes and nobody has them and they're crazy expensive and it's just that's but it is such a unique experience that is something that if 
we have a, a arcade bar downtown um, tappers. They have like 25 games. And if I knew I could only have a friend of mine play like two games while we were there, I would take them to Stranger Things because they have a premium. And it's it's such a unique experience, unlike any other game. And it's so easy to tell, like, yeah, hit the drop targets. You're get, that ramp's going to come down and then see if you can bash the guy in the mouth. Like, yeah, it's so that's what really drew my friends and family in is it was such an obvious target. And that's all they wanted to do was see if they could hit him in the mouth and they were locked in. So I, I absolutely think it's an above average game. I, it bums me out that Stern doesn't make them anymore. I wish they would just to bring the price down. Oh yeah. (laughs) Um, but it is, it, it has one of the best overall atmospheric experiences that you can really get in pinball, in my opinion. So I, the, the fact you're telling me it's an 80 in my mind should be higher. Absolutely yes. should be higher than that. Yeah, I agree. I would, I would put it in the like, everything is at least above average. And then you add in the light and the overall yeah, yeah. just like experience and it's way above average. And I agree they they need to remake this just to bring the price down. Cause I would also no surprise in my, you know, bring it back in my collection. But this was one where just like we, you know, we've said a million times, anyone who's not in pinball will be like, Whoa, I yeah, did yeah. not know you could even do this. And when you're bringing up the Demogorgon mouth thing, that, that's one thing they did different here that they didn't have an attack from Mars or Medieval Manus. We're like, yeah, you're bashing the center target. But even if you want to go further, if you can snipe even in the center of this, you get an even, well, I'll say bonus, but you get to complete this mode even faster. Oh, yeah. Which the castle and the UFO, you just, you know, you hit it and that's it. And if you have the game set up right, and those, again, who out there are out there saying, oh, you can never set it out right, set it up right. You can. If you just get it level, like you can hit that mouth every time. Well, yep. You know, if you really try. Um, Unlike the TK lock, which, you know, whatever. Yeah, that's uh, maybe that would be even better if they remade it, if they vaulted it and somehow improved the design of that to make it 100 percent. I mean, I would I would be super tempted not to buy that new in box. Like, I I really it is one of the games I miss. I genuinely miss um, that was that I had when I borrowed it, which is great. I mean, it was literally my first day on it. I was like, get it out of here. And yet it became as it as the more I played it. It, and then now that I've seen the projector and the UV kit, like, yeah, I would love to own that game again. Uh, the thing I'll leave us on on the Stranger Things is when I finally got rid of it, um, it wasn't because I didn't like it or anything. It was just, you know, sometimes I go through these phases of I got to take a break from pinball because it's, you know, heavily monetary investment sometimes, oh, yeah. and, you know, whatever. And I so this was when I didn't put on Pinside. I just text someone like, hey, whatever. OK, I'll take it, you know, immediately. Um, but the person that come and, come and got it, they came and tested it out. Great. I knew him anyways. And. We, we got it out to their their van, lifted it up, you know, and or no, he did it by himself and he dropped it. Uh, so, it, <laughs> yeah, oh and no. like of any game to like just drop and like land. And I was like, oh, I mean, he already paid it and he, he's cool. He's like, oh, no problem. But I was like, oh, yeah, my yeah. God, you don't want to drop that game, man. Yeah. But uh, he dropped it. But that's how it left my house. Maybe that's not the way next time. It shouldn't leave that way. <laughs> now the TK lock works every time. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. <laughs> right. That's yeah. all it takes. Just drop it. Yeah. Just drop one major it. adjustment and boom, it works. Yeah. Sledgehammer it or drop it off of a van. Well, thanks for reviewing this with me. Um, you know, I just wanted to say thanks for being such a, a helping member of the pinball network I, to me personally. You know, even before I joined, you know, I would shoot you texts of like, hey, when you're doing this podcast thing, what do you, I mean, you're, you're always helpful. You're always responding. You didn't have to, you don't owe me anything, you know? Um, and I just want to say, thanks. Like everything I've seen, how you communicate with people in the hobby, whether it be, uh, in discord or whether it be on Twitch streaming, anything you do, like you're just, uh, 
you're priceless in this community, man. <laughs> uh, you got to keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I hear plenty of compliments from other people and they're like, oh, I love pinball party, but I also love triple drain. You know, it's always followed up yeah. with that or just another pinball podcast where it's almost like, I think they want to start with that and then say pinball party, but no, that's not, nah, man. Just, that's very kind. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I, it's, I don't have any reason to be doing what I'm doing. I don't have any experience in this. I, I think it's funny that people care about my opinion. They probably don't, but I'm sharing it anyways. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. it just, but I just, I love it. I love this community. There's so many great people in this community. And, you know, I started everything that I do podcasting and streaming because of COVID. I just wanted to, uh, I wanted to be with people and uh, streaming and podcasting has been an incredible outlet to do that. And I've met some amazing people and there are people that helped me early on, um, that I, so why not? And, and that's the thing about the pinball community. If you're listening, just get involved. Not, you don't necessarily have to make content, but reach out, make some friends. Everybody that, that does this wants to do it with other people. So, um, I'm always happy to answer an email or text or a message on Facebook. And, and I love talking pinball and helping people out however I can. So, um, more than happy to do it. It shows, man, your enthusiasm, just even verbally, like you could tell you really love it. So it's great that you're doing this. Um, you guys got a, a triple drain coming out? What, next week, this week? Well, What's your... I don't know, actually. We've, we, we, we try to react. We try to react yeah. to news, and there hasn't been any. So nope. I'm glad we didn't wait for the Bond 60th release, which we hoped was last week. So we actually had one last week. Um, I don't know. We might record one before Thanksgiving. Um, those the those two they play so much competitive pinball trying to fit it into their schedule on on how much travel and what they do um but uh yeah hopefully hopefully you know we we try to stick to like a two three week um schedule somewhere around there and um i'm i'm trying to line up an interview to do another just another pinball podcast um actually with george with george gomez and i nice i've done one with him before but i told myself i'm not going to interview him until i've played bond and i haven't had a chance to play it yet so once i have a chance to play it and experience the shots hopefully i can line one up with him and interview him again which should be a good time so um yeah hopefully more stuff coming soon so uh until we hear just another pinball podcast and triple drain what where else can people find you well i stream on the pinball network every wednesday night from 10 to midnight eastern um time and then every other thursday on the flipping out stream uh same thing 10 to midnight so uh there's plenty of that and then um like tonight uh it's a wednesday tonight i'll be streaming but we'll be recording one of the the tp and after hour streams and those are always on youtube after the fact so a lot of times if you can't catch it live feel free to catch that after afterwards and um plenty of fun pinball discussion there so should be a good time and I do catch it afterwards. And I, honestly, this is what I do. I, I get the YouTube link. I put it into MP3 converter and then I, and then I import it into my podcast and I listen to it as a podcast. So. We've had people say that. Is there a way yeah. that you could make it a podcast and, and maybe we just need to save maybe you I'll a step d- and yeah, do that well, for you. Or yeah. yeah. Or next time I do this, I'll just do the stream and, and give it to Zach or whatever here. Put it up there. Whatever. There we go. Yeah. yeah. Don't even have to edit it. It's, no, it's already good no. to go. Yeah. I, I do very little editing and uh, even on our triple drain podcast it's besides just kind of making sure levels sound good it's i don't know try to be uh, in my view it's just be real and authentic and just let it all out hang out and uh maybe yep. i also don't have nearly the editing skills that you do so ah. I, I just i just let it roll uh it's more from neuroticism than anything but yeah i know <laughs> doing this so much but yeah. hey man thanks for joining me thanks for reviewing stranger things i guess let's get back to work if we have to yeah, um, but yeah. uh, until next time thanks again man i appreciate it all right, talk to you later. See ya. You got a voice inside of you. So awesome to have Joel on the show. Thanks again for joining. 
Hopefully we'll talk again on air in the future. That's all she wrote. Thanks for all the listener emails. Thanks for listening to me talk about secondary market stuff. I look forward to all the (laughs) opinions on that shit. Uh, But yeah, please feel free to shoot me an email at pinballpartypodcast at gmail.com or tell me your opinion verbally at our voicemail 262-528-6625 and be sure to join us next time on the pinball party I'm Jason we'll see you later Yeah. You know? <laughs> the only appropriate time to edit a podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah.